Welcome to the Companion Chapel. My name is Mike, coming to you from the Great Lakes area of beautiful Ontario, Canada, on this gorgeous December 21st, 2.20, shortest day of the year. Today, we're going to study uh, chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, and today's lesson is God teaching through Paul about speaking with tongues. And this is such an important lesson. I don't know how many Christians I've come up with. Have come up to me or we've talked to, fellowshiped with, who think speaking in tongues is flopping on the floor like a fish and speaking babble. Remember, God is not the author of confusion. He's the author of order. He's the author of principles. He's the author of being consistent. And ask yourself, did Jesus Christ ever flop on the floor like a fish and speak uh, babble? Did uh, any of the prophets, did anybody in the Bible do that? Except for the lunatic. Now, We'll get to that in a second. This podcast in the Companion Chapel Worldwide Ministry is brought to you by your generous donations. Thank you very much. Go to companionchapel.com, Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, e-transfers. There's also companionchapelpodcast.com. Uh, uh, email address is companionchapel at gmail.com. Or support simply by emailing me just to say hi. I'm all, I'm here all by myself out here at number 338, side row 28 slash 29, Sogging Shores, Ontario, Canada, N-O-G-2-G-O. That's Sogging, S-A-U-G-E-E-N, Shores, Ontario. And I do see people coming up to the driveway, which is a laneway. This is a farm. <coughs> and... I see them stop and look and then keep going. Yes, I understand this place looks like an abandoned house. I understand it's dilapidated, and you probably think there's nobody here. I park around back. I drive a white pickup truck. Um, I don't want to drive it anymore. I wish someone would come and drive for me, and I wish I could just teach the Bible all day long, every day. Please help me make this into a great church. Hear your calling into the many-membered body, whatever your gift may be. Um, labor, I really need, believe me, I am not a rental guy. It's true, I'm a masonry guy for 30 years, but trying to do the installation, trying to do the plastic on the installation, trying to build a staircase, I, I just have no skills in that. Trying to build a church, trying to be the a social media manager, I have no skills in that. My gift from God is, is a gift of discerning this word for you and bringing it to you. So thank you very much and come on up and just uh, on the 24th to 26th of December, I won't be around, but you can see the tire tracks coming up that driveway. And uh, yeah, I need gravel, I need firewood, and I need you, the many-membered body. Christ needs you because it's useless by myself to try and upload these podcasts and I don't even know where they go, tell you the truth. <clears throat> but I'll keep teaching. I've been doing this for years. And this is a call out to the many-membered body. Now, please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And it reads, God teaching through Paul, Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather you may prophesy. This means follow after love, like it said in the last chapter. And desire spiritual gifts. You pray to God for understanding. You pray for wisdom, understanding, counsel, and all its strength. And Yeshua Messiah, Jesus Christ, perfect name. And this is so you can prophesy. That's the sense and the meaning there. Now we're going to talk about tongues. This is the greatest thing. 
For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. This is so simple. And you can read this in any manuscript. If you or just in the English here. If you speak in an unknown tongue, for example, if I get up and speak in front of a congregation that's French and I'm English, <clears throat> then it's unknown. God will know what I'm saying. And I can speak all the mysteries of the Bible I want, but no one knows what I'm talking about. That's what that means. It's not me flopping on the ground like a fish and blah, 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 blah. That is not order. And that is, God is not the author of confusion. And Acts chapter 2, verse 6, they spoke the Pentecostal tongue. Read it carefully. Everybody in that room understood in their own dialect what was being said by those guys. They weren't flopping on the floor like a fish out of water and just speaking babble. For example, if I was with my Portuguese friend, like I, as a bricklayer, I worked with a lot of Portuguese and, and um, people that didn't understand English. Okay, that's fine. But if, if we were there in Acts chapter 2, 6, that Portuguese guy would have heard what they were saying in his, not only in his Portuguese tongue, but in the dialect from where he was from. I would hear it in English from <clears throat> the dialect I know, me being white trash Ontario boy. Uh, if there was a, somebody from Newfoundland there, they would hear it in their dialect. If there was somebody from Michigan, United States there, they would hear it in their dialect, right? Yeah, you get it? Okay. It is clear. God is not the author of confusion. Three. <clears throat> but he that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification and extortion, exhortation, sorry, and comfort. There you go. If you prophesy and you speak unto men, this is the definition of a teacher, a Christian pastor, preacher, whoever wants to get up there and take that job, and they teach for edification. That means they do not use the Bible as a book of quotes. They do not flop on the ground like a fish and speak babble. At, like, I'm telling you, if any, I've had somebody do that in front of me, and I just told them, get up, man. Like, what are you doing? You want to give up your will to a demon? Then go ahead. That's your free will choice. And you can go flop on around and claim, I'm speaking in tongues, I'm speaking in tongues. No, you're not. You're speaking babble. Nobody understands you. And get up and tell me what you were teaching out of the Bible. What were you saying? No one understands you. That's you giving up your will to a demon. And that's not the Christian way. Here's the definition of a real Christian teacher right there. Edification, exhortation, that means emphasis, and comfort. You get comfort from hearing God's Word taught as it's written in chapters and in verses. It's not a book of quotes. And, and happy are those who understand, who readeth with understanding. Then the first chapter of Revelation, of course you're happy. Who's happy reading something they don't understand? <clears throat> Four. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Okay, separate these two sentences. There, remember that there was no grammar in the manuscripts. So, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. That means you may as well just be talking to yourself. 
but he that prophesieth edifies the church. Okay, so if you can speak in their language, then you're then you're edifying the church. Okay, prophesieth just means teaching what is written in the Bible, because Christ came in the volume of the book. That and read the last page of your Bible. There's nothing to be added and nothing to be taken away. God's not talking to you personally outside the Bible, telling you, "Okay, things are. We're gonna tweak this word. We're gonna we're gonna tweak this area of the Bible." No, that's a, you giving up your will to a demon, and you got to cleanse yourself. And it takes humbling, be meek, discipline yourself. The meek shall inherit the earth, not sideshows that flop around like fish on the ground, babbling. Get up. Five. I would that ye all speak with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied. For greater is he that prophesied than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. Just go on that last point there, that the church may receive edifying. Okay? So, I would that you all speak all languages, like Paul did. Paul spake like five languages, but that's not going to happen. Like for myself, I lived in Mexico for quite some time, and I learned one word, alto. No, yeah, alto, because it was on every stop sign. I am not gifted at learning languages at all. So I would that you speak all languages. That would be great, but that's never going to happen. Instead, yeah, but rather you prophesy. Prophesy clearly for the people. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues. Exactly. Because when you speak other languages, it's your second language, third language, fourth language, you, you're going to miss the sense and meaning of the words. It's, you're going to speak your proper language that you know. Don't try and um, act like somebody that can speak another language and you're going to miss the sense and meaning of the words in this Bible, which is difficult enough to translate from the Hebrew and Greek. Okay, except he interpret, unless you have an interpreter. And the whole point is that the church may receive edifying. What, are you going to walk around with an interpreter everywhere? Why don't you just teach where you know? In the English, I'll teach English. Okay, if someone wants to interpret it into French, well, good luck with that. But I don't know what he's saying. So I don't know if the sense and meaning and the message being conveyed is coming through properly. And that's the point Paul is saying. The church must be edified. The sheep must be fed. The shepherd must feed the sheep. Or what, or what are you learning? Who knows? Like, keep it in your own language. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Except I speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine. In other words, it only prophets is teaching this word or what's he teaching? Or what is he even doing there? It's, brethren, if I come speaking to you in another language, what shall I profit you? Nothing. Except if he comes in a language you know, if he comes in another language and he's speaking knowledge and prophesying by doctrine, well, if you don't understand it, then what's the point? That's what Paul's saying. But Paul spoke five languages. Now, even here, Paul going from town to town, back then... Think about it. Each town, each district, each region, each county had different dialect. And I'll give you an example of that just from here in Ontario. When I was younger and I used to travel around playing hockey through the United States, um, one of the words was, oh, that guy's pissed. 
And for us in Ontario, that meant he's drunk. He's alcohol drunk. But down there, the word pissed meant he's mad. He's pissed. He's mad about something. And that's just one little example that just came to mind. But how Paul had to speak colloquial Greek. He had to get through to all the people, make sure that he was prophesying in their tongues so that they understand. Not in an unknown tongue. It's all about edifying the church. Order, teaching, knowledge, wisdom, understanding. It's not about Paul going from church to church, flopping on the ground like a fish. You know, that's ridiculous. Think about it. So don't do that. Don't give your will over to a demon. And don't let some teacher teach you otherwise. <clears throat> Seven. And even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they have a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For even if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who should prepare himself to the battle? Exactly. What if every instrument made the same sound? What if some guy playing the guitar and then some guy playing the harp and they both sound the same? No, there's a distinction between sound. There's a dis distinction between dialect. There's a distinction between languages. Find your language or the trumpet and put this right to the seventh trump. How are you going to prepare yourself for battle? Remember Paul said in a, in a, a book, we fight against powers and principalities of a higher echelon. We have to know who the enemy is or how can you defend yourself? Satan's greatest trick is to come and, and, and convince us all that he doesn't exist. And he comes in peacefully and prosperously. You have to be ready. And flopping around like a fish on the ground, drooling away, get up. Like, I'm not even going to say that anymore. It's, so, it's, it's ridiculous. It's not biblical. It's you giving... The person is giving their will over to a demon. So likewise... Ye, except ye utter by the tongue words, easy to be understood. Yeah, that's not Babel, and Babel is confusion. How shall it be known what is spoken? Exactly. For you shall speak into the air. Yeah, it's like if I sit around and there's at a table, a Bible study, and I'm the only English guy, and there's two French people talking. It just sounds like, well, it sounds like gibberish to me. I don't understand it. They may as well speak into the air. It's useless, and they can't talk to me. Or gesture all the time and try and figure out a word here and a word there. It's a waste of time. This has got no place in teaching the Bible. Ten. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, that's languages, and none of them is without signification. Exactly. Somebody understands that language. You know, there was a thing on, I, I can't, I never watch TV. I haven't watched TV for years and years. And I watched, I did sit down with somebody and the TV was on and it was about this guy and, he, and he's saying the documentary was on this guy and he invented his own language and I was there I can invent my own language in 10 minutes who's going to understand it oh this guy's a genius you're like you look at him he's, just, he's the smartest person you have to watch this I go dude if you invent your own language who's going to understand it except you like give me a break and this is what this verse means. There are many kinds of languages in the world, and none is without signification. That means there's people around you that understand. Okay? All right? They're significant. And they're to be respected. That's how people understand. That's how people gain knowledge and wisdom. They understand. Wisdom of the ways of the world, bad. Wisdom of the ways of God, good. That's what you follow. 11. Therefore, 
If I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian. Let's just say foreigner. And he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. Like today in the English, barbarian would mean like, you know, someone who's aggressive and he's probably got like a two by four and he's going to start swinging it at you. This means foreigner, okay? Understand that. As simple as that. You don't, you don't understand what they're saying. It's like a foreigner standing there talking. You can gesture all you want. You know, I need a drink of water. Bloop, bloop. You know, that's pretty simple. But you can't teach the Bible. 12. Even so, ye, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to edify the church. Exactly. That's your job. If you get a spiritual gift, you help with the many-membered body. Not everybody can read the Bible and present it with understanding to others. That's one spiritual gift. But that person, is like myself, is useless at creating a church, at the governmental part of the church, the help of the church. I can barely help myself. Like I'm living in absolute what ways the world would consider um, grinding poverty, but I'm the happiest person in the world. I'm... I'm so blessed. I just, I can just get off this subject for a second. But I'm just telling you, it takes the many-membered body and go back to chapter 12, all the spiritual gifts, administrators. Um, well, Paul wraps it up here. I just did chapter 12, or chapter 12, yeah. So if you want to hear about spiritual gifts and you have a spiritual gift, God has given you a spiritual gift and he wants to see what you're going to do with it and you'll be judged accordingly. Um Let's just go on here. 13. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Yeah. Find and interpret into your language. Like if, you, if, you, if you're walking around like Paul did back then and he walks into a community where no one can speak the language, then yeah, you, you pray that he may interpret. You pray that they may have an interpreter there in your second language that you can uh, figure it out. And if not, then... Uh, you know, keep on trucking. What's the point? 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. That means it's not bringing forth any fruit. If you want to pray, sit around and say your prayers with other people, and it's a different language, then it's, it's, only, it's not bringing forth fruit to others. It's not creating a many-membered body. No one else is get, being edified. The church is not being edified, and no person is being edified. The church just means assembly. Like, you have to think about what church means. Right now, you're assembled in front of this computer or your podcast or wherever you're listening. This is church. God views this as church. You don't necessarily have to think church is that building on the corner with the steeple and and uh, everything else you associate church with. This is church now. 15. For what is it then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with understanding also. Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room or the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understood not what was being said? Exactly. Like run-on sentences and, and translations here in the English Bible make it almost impossible to understand. It is impossible to understand in the English. But this is simple. It's like, if you don't understand what's being said, what your teacher, pastor, preacher is saying, then, then what's the point? 
Okay, he doesn't understand it. Okay, let's go to the next verse. Like, Paul's really repetitive and pounding this home and on an elementary level. 17. For truly, give us thanks well, but the other is not edified. Like, if no one understands, then you're giving thanks to God, but they don't understand what was just being said. They don't understand God's message being taught and being conveyed, and they won't understand the standards and the consistent thought pattern of God compared to the inconsistent thought patterns of mankind and the unprincipled beliefs of mankind. 18. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than y'all. That's right. Paul spake and studied at the feet of Gamiel, and Paul spoke Latin, Hebrew, Greek, uh, Aramaic, uh, Chattily, and he spoke colloquial Greek slang. He had a gift from God, and he knew it, and he used it. 19. Yet in the church I rather speak five words with my understanding than by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Again, it's better just to say, Five things that someone understands, five words, then stand there for an hour and just carry on when they're just staring at you and they don't understand it. Simple as that. 20. Brethren, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice. Be children, but in understanding, be men. Okay, so be not children. Okay, this means brother, all of us. Be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice, let's just say this malice. If don't be sitting there taking in God's word with with the poor attitude. This word malice here denotes in this in the manuscripts, it denotes depravity, it devotes wicked desires, it devotes it, it denotes a bad attitude. It it even denotes a vicious disposition. Okay, think about that. If you're sitting there and that's what's in your heart, then you can't repent because you haven't submitted with unquestioning obedience to the Lord. And so you're not going to understand. You're going to take things out of the Bible and you're going to use it like a book of quotes and you're going to use it with a bad attitude. That's Don't try and learn and understand with a bad attitude. You submit. You surrender everything inside you that is of the darkness, that corrupts, that offense to Lord Jesus Christ. And you know that only Lord Jesus Christ has the strength to get those things out of you. You pray for his love to come into your heart. And that does not include a bad attitude. Now the rest of this verse, that by my voice I might teach others also. 10,000 words in a... No, wait. Next. Okay. Be children, body and understanding. Be men. That means grow up, mature. You can't learn from the unlearned. Like, you can't learn from somebody up there. It's immature for a pastor to go up there and take quotes and use the Bible like a book of quotes or take quotes from men or to go to a church that... I, I pray for these churches. I'm not looking at them with any disdain. I look at them with compassion and I pray for the churches I'm about to describe that I've gone to recently that play music like a rock and roll band, a live rock and roll band up on stage for 35 minutes. I come into church, I don't plan on standing there, listen to music that I don't enjoy, and the songs aren't even of the 150 psalms that are written in the Bible. We have songs that we are to memorize or to get very familiar with, like the Song of Moses, Deuteronomy chapter 32. Not once have I seen anybody try and sing that song. 
Not once have I seen anybody try and sing the song of the Lamb. Not once have I seen anybody take one of the 150 psalms to the chief musician. No, they, they make up their own songs and they play this music and they try to get the whole crowd going with their adrenaline flowing. There's people waving their hands in the air. That's great. Praise the Lord. Yes, that's great. Okay, 35 minutes of that, that music. I'm not putting up with it. I'm not going to stand there when there's a perfectly good chair right underneath me and listen to that music and then sit down and have a preacher get up in front and use the Bible as a book of quotes. Great preacher, man. The guy can the guy can go. Like he's got that microphone, man. He's going around up there. Oh, we have to refer to quotes from mankind. We go here in the Bible, there in the Bible. Like how can you make sense of that? That's not edifying. That's teaching your that's leading your flock astray. There's nobody in there after three months that can open their Bible and say, okay, this is where I learned the Bible, and let's minister to each other. And that's sad. I pray for those people. The Bible's not a book of quotes. You understand. You mature. You grow up. You can't learn from the unlearned. 21. In the law, it is written, with men of other tongues and of other lips, will I speak unto this people... And yet, for all that I will, they not hear me, saith the Lord. I put all the languages on the earth. I make sure everybody has a chance at understanding. I put a remnant of truth out there. I sent the 12 tribes of Israel, the 10 tribes of Israel north, and, the, and they went across the Caucasus Mountains and all over Europe, Canada, United States, and they kept the faith. And they still won't hear me, even all these people they meet along the way. All the Gentiles nations, who are, whomsoever will. And people still want to write their own road to salvation. And they still want to romanticize who they think God is. They want to make it up in their own mind. Well, if I'm a good, I'm a good person, and if God is really there, then I've lived my life good. According to what? According to what's convenient for you, what you think. You can't tweak God's word to suit your lifestyle. You have to learn God's word and learn that lifestyle, what God expects. It's the only consistent standard, thought pattern, principled doctrine there is. You can't just make up your own because the times have changed. Oh, yeah, some special interest comes up with, more, with barnyard morals. Oh, they're okay. They're nice. Come on. Let's just, let's just uh, do this to the church. The blasphemy of blasphemies. To take that symbol that God gave Noah. As a sacred symbol, here's a promise I give to you. When you see that rainbow, I promise I'm not going to flood the earth out. I'm going to come. And God tells us how he's going to have a change of the ages. And we're coming up on the affairs of time. The end, the end of this flesh age is coming up. It's to, to its end. And they've taken that symbol that God gave to us to the most barnyard moral symbol barnyard moral symbol that I just can't even I don't want to talk about it Sodom and Gomorrah uh, 22 wherefore tongues are for a sign not to them that believe but to them that believe not but prophesying service not them I gotta go back for a second God loves you he loves all his children like a father and like any father you love your children but you don't love what they're doing necessarily and if they're being disobedient, then of course you're gonna 
God allows us to walk into our own prisons, the prisons of sensual lust, the prisons of wantings of the flesh, the prisons of self-pride and all the entitlements self-pride makes people think they have. And you can walk down those prisons and when you've had enough, when you're beaten down, when you realize the vanity of vanity in those prisons that you put yourself in, that's God's chastisement. He's watching you. He's always there. God will never leave you or forsake you. You leave or forsake God. And when you're ready to come back, He's always there. Okay, so what verse was I? 22. Where for tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not, but prophesying serveth them not. That they believe not, but for them that believe. Okay, so if, it, like, if you don't believe in God, and someone comes along and and uh, someone's teaching the Bible, then it's not for you. You got you you gotta have your own road to salvation made up. You have your own God made up in your mind, and it, it's not for you. But to them, but to others it is. Okay? That's so simple. Twenty-three. If the whole church be come together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there and there come in those that are not un there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that you are mad? Exactly. If the whole church if the whole church be come together in one place and all speak in different languages, and people come in and they don't know the Bible or they are unbelievers, they're gonna think you're mad. Not angry mad, like like aggressive angry mad. They mean like uh um, straight jacket mad. You think you guys are just all on drugs or something. 24. But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, and he is judged of all. Okay, so, if, if they're coming in and they're hearing God's word, then he could be converted. That's what we're talking about here. Trying to convert people. We're talking about trying to give people a chance. At not having to live a life of uncertainty, of not having to live a life of anxiety and worry and fear, ever. Because God's Word tells us what's going to happen. He's your Father. He's not leaving us out in the dark. Christ told us all things. Um, 25. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And this is the guy that came in, and he wasn't sure if he's a believer or not. He's unlearned. And so falling down on his face will he worship God and report that God is in you of truth. He feels it. You have a gift of teaching. It will show. People will know right away. When you're being taught the Bible, you know right away. You know right away. If someone's just giving you a book of quotes or a feel-good sugar-coated message, yeah, that sugar-coating is going to wear off and you get a sugar crash every time. You never, all you end up with is with 100 bucks less in your pocket and anxiety and fear and worry. You can't open the Bible to any page. You have no working knowledge of the Bible. But yeah, go go for it. Have the guy and uh, who doesn't teach the Bible, but he looks like the most sparkling Christian Joe Diamond there ever is and ever will be, or her, whatever. But insane. The secrets of his heart will manifest. So falling down on his face, he'll worship God because he's heard the truth. He feels it. You have a gift. Use your gift. If your gift is... Being at the door, being a greeter, hi, come on in. We understand. We have knowledge. I understand you've walked in roads. Uh, there's nothing you can say that will surprise me. We're not going to judge you here. Come on into the church. Then there's a guy behind the pulpit, and he can teach the Bible every verse by verse. And that's my job. I can do that cover to cover for you. Easy. The other jobs in the many-member body, 
They're not my jobs. I'm no good at it. Come on, let's form a church here is what I'm saying. 28, 26. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, have a revelation, have an interpretation? That is confusion. Go back to chapter uh, verse 37. Or uh, is that ahead to 37? Let's see. Um, I mean, uh, God is not the author of confusion. That was in the last chapters. Okay? That's confusion. If everyone has their own doctrine. You have your religion, I have my religion. You got your language, I have my language. I have an interpretation here, and, and uh, you have your own interpretation. That's confusion. You have to think about this. If you have the English Bible, which you do, because there's billions of copies out there, and there's no excuse not to have one. The English language is not capable of articulating the sense and meaning of original Hebrew or Greek words found in the manuscripts. In other words, English cannot adequately encapsulate the extent of the thoroughness and intended conveyance of thought found in the original pictorial-based languages. So you get somebody like myself who takes years and years and years, over 20 years of time, to learn the Bible and learn the sense and meaning of the words, the figures of speech, the idioms, the metaphors, and and bring it to light to you so that you can learn to understand with enjoyment. It is enjoying to hear something understanding that you understand. Reading the English Bible by yourself with a bunch of people that don't know is you're going to get this. Everyone's going to have their own doctrine, their own interpretation, their own revelation of what's written. You're going to get rapture theories. You're going to get theories where people think, oh, I have to flop on the floor like a fish and speak in tongues. So... And then Paul says, let all things be done unto edifying. Exactly. So God is not the author of confusion. Oh, it's verse 33 here, right? Coming up, okay? Um, 28. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence. Oh, wait. 27. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at most by three, and by, and by course, and let one interpret. Okay? If, if I'm speaking English and... There's uh, someone that speaks Russian, and the whole crowd's Russian. But I got to speak English to one interpreter. He has to interpret it to another one, to another one. It just loses its value. Like, don't bother. Any more than two, forget it. Most three, it says here. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. Yeah, hushy. Don't go around acting like a big shot speaking English when everyone speaks Russian. What are you going to do? No one understands what you're saying. Be quiet. And let him speak to himself and to God. Yeah, church by yourself. What's... what's Again, 29. Let the prophet speak two or three and let them and let the other judge. Uh, that's discern. You discern, okay? If any be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. For you may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn, and all may be com comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Okay, let's just let's just say this, okay? What's he talking about? We're talking about the testimony of Jesus Christ. We're talking about worshiping God. The testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. The spirit of prophecy is the intellect of the sacred testimony. The testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. The spirit of prophecy is the intellect of the sacred testimony. That's what that verse means. 33. For God is not the author of confusion, 
That should be one of your go-to notes. When someone's flopping on the floor like a fish, hey, God's not the author of confusion, but of peace. Does that look peaceful down there? Down in the dirt, just rolling around like blah, 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 blah. Whatever you're doing, get up. Don't give your will over to demons. Okay? God's not the author of confusion, but of peace. And he, and Jesus Christ came, and he did not compromise with evil. He went up on that cross for us. He, he was meek. He disciplined himself. He had every temptation beyond measure that we could ever think of. He was in the flesh. He was our teacher, our rabbi, our master. He was our counselor. He was our wisdom personified. He was there in the beginning before the first Adam was formed, even on the highest part of the earth. Jesus Christ, our Savior, was there when each and every one of us was created by our Father. And He created us for, He created you for His joy, for His pleasure, for His glory. Are you pleasing to God? Do you think it's pleasing to be down on the ground flopping like a fish out of water and speaking babble? God's not the author of confusion. He's the author of principled beliefs and the principled standard. He is the author of the, of the, of the spirit of prophecy. He is the living word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God with us. Not Emmanuel flopping around on the floor like fish. And I'm just uh, going to carry on here. Um, peace, he set up a place of peace beyond our present comprehension. He, if Jesus Christ did not die on the cross, he gave up his life. Nobody killed Jesus Christ. He was fulfilling prophecy to the letter. And he gave up his life because he could have easily got off that cross, but he did not compromise with evil. He validated a place of peace beyond our present comprehension, the kingdom of God, and it's going to wipe out all the evil on the earth. And if you want to hang on to evil thoughts, principles, standards, doctrines, whatever inside you, then you got to go too. Until you let those things go and you respect the cross and you respect what Jesus Christ did and you get down on your knees and you give thanks and you realize you deserve nothing. Deserve absolutely nothing. Give thanks to Jesus Christ, our Savior, our salvation. Hosanna, Jesus Christ, come soon. The evil in the world is out of control. All the evil in the world comes from the human heart. And at a place of peace beyond our present comprehension, is the earth a place of peace? Absolutely not. This is hell. And it's because Satan is the prince of the air, as it's written, the adversary himself. And we all compromise with evil. We're all sinners. None of us are worthy. We all have guile, malice, and corruption found in us. There was no guile, malice, corruption. There's nothing of the darkness. There was nothing that offends. That was found in our Lord Jesus Christ. He walked 2,000 years ago. And who was he? Walking around handing out fish sandwiches and a pair of sandals. He was our Lord, our God. He was teaching us how to be meek. He never accumulated a dime. He didn't care about the economy. He wasn't having anxiety. He wasn't flopping on the floor like a fish. He prayed for us. He prayed so hard. Is there any other way that, that I, this cup of wrath doesn't have to go down, God? He's asking for mercy for us. And then he did the most selfless act of love and compassion by not compromising with evil. He even tried to get us out of this flesh age right then and there. 
But no, we all have to experience evil and have a free will option. Are you going to follow the dark side? Are you going to follow darkness, corruption? Are you going to allow these things inside you, these feelings of entitlement and possessiveness and, 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 uh, and jealousies and envies and coveting? Or are you going to support your church and support the, the righteous side what Jesus Christ set up. He set up a kingdom that is valid because of what he did. He did not compromise with evil. It's a kingdom in, abe in abeyance right now. Well, all of us still go through this cycle. Who's going to compromise with evil and who's not? As in all churches of the saints, the set aside one, only peace is through understanding. 34. Let your woman keep silence in the churches for it's not permitted unto them. Here we go. Watch this. How many letters have I got from this? It's not permitted for women to speak in church, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shame for a woman to speak in church. Okay, let's just let's just cut the let's just cut the whatever's being said about this. Okay? Back then, Paul is writing a letter to Chloe, and Chloe's saying all these things that are going wrong in the church. Okay? And Paul is writing a letter to edify the church, to try and set the standard. He's going to come there and set things right. And what happened back then is the church was the hub of activity. Okay, everybody on a Sunday or whatever day they had to go to church would gather there. And it wasn't like today where you can just talk to people on a cell phone or text or whatever multimedia ways of getting a hold of people. That was a place where people came along and they started talking, 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 gossiping, gossiping. Now it's time to come into church. You sit down and hush thy mouthy and preach your boy. You get up there. You get that rock and roll band off stage. They got no business being there. And you teach us the Bible. Okay? This is, we are all feminine in the church. We are all the bride of Christ. That is our goal. He will not accept a bride that's adulterous, idolatrous. He wants a faithful bride. You can't go up to Christ and go, look at our church. Listen to this rock band, Jesus. Listen to this. You know, playing rock music for 35 minutes. Get out of here. You want to hear that? Let's hear some biblical literacy. And I don't want to hear mankind's quotes up there, written on a big screen like a PowerPoint presentation. Teach me the Bible. Pick a spot, preacher boy, and start. Start at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and teach the Bible. Start at Genesis chapter 1 and teach the Bible. That's what we need. That's what we have to learn. And that's what they're saying here. You come into the church, guy or girl, because remember, the definition of marriage is man and woman become one. This applies to everybody. Hushy thy mouth thee in churchy while preachy is speaking and teaching. Sit down. Even back then, they separated the men from the woman. And the woman actually sat behind this lattice thing. That's fine. That's just the way it was. That was the custom of the times. No chattering back there. That's what this means. Does it mean today? Oh, does this void out that your sons and daughters shall prophesy? No. That's that's Joel chapter two, Acts chapter two. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. That's speaking in church. When it's your turn, don't overstep your spot in the many-membered body. Chloe ran the church. She was a woman. Okay, she wrote a letter trying to figure all this out. What about other people? Hold up. What about you want to mess with Deborah? Uh, she was a prophetess. What about uh, Miriam? What about, uh, let's see, all the other girls in the Bible, all the other women. Like, they're just as strong. You want to mess with J.L., you'll get a tent peg right through your... Uh, you, want to, you want to mess with the Nazarite women? No. 
people teach in church. Ruth, what about her? She was awesome. Tabitha, Marys, all the Marys in the Bible. Women can speak in church. This is don't overstep your place in the many-membered body. Go home and, and uh, fellowship to each other. Don't sit there in church and go, oh, that's not what I heard. I say, you know what? Let me say it like this. I was, I'm a preacher in the park. I'll go to the park and people ask me questions. And I'll start preaching the Bible, man. I can let her rip. But there's always somebody, when I hit a certain set of verses, that might be like the popular verses, that they want to start teaching. They'll just start over-talking me and, and they'll just, yeah, I know this verse. Yes, yes, I know this part. Yeah, and they'll just start, they want, the, they want to take the stage. And I'm like, go ahead, man, you know, whatever. I'm not going to start yelling and telling you to hushy because I'm in the park. Right, And if you want to do that in church, this is what it's saying. It's a shame. We're all feminine in the Bible. Don't stand there and go, oh, I know what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, you know, for God to love the world, to give his only begotten son. I get it. I get it. Yeah. And then stand up and do, put on your own sideshow. Hushy thy mouthy when your pastor is teaching. It's order. And Jesus Christ always was order. God is about order and discipline. Being meek. Hushy and learny. Don't overstep your spot in the main body. 36. What came the word of God out of from you and came it unto only you? What, do you think you're someone special? <laughs> Paul's funny. 37. If any man think himself to be a prophet or a spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Not something you've made up. That's what happens when you use the Bible as a book of quotes. It gets made up. It gets slurred. It gets the, the subject and object are just, it's impossible to get the message being conveyed because you're not following the way God wrote it to you. He didn't just go, I'm going to pull it up here and here's a book of quotes and just uh, you call yourself a Bible dipper or a random rev or whatever you want to call it. It's, it's just a blasphemy and it, it, no one can learn like that. And same with that rock and roll band for 35. Give me a break. Like, do you think everybody likes that music? Yeah, people get into it. Yeah, yeah, adrenaline gets going. The preacher comes up and he's like, just carrying on. But it, hey, your whole flock's biblically blind. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. And I pray for those people. Don't be ignorant. Like, I pray for those people. There's no malice, no guile, no pointing fingers. When you're in heaven... You're not going to sit there, and if you make it to the good side, you're not going to sit there with a lawn chair and be looking down at people that didn't make it and pointing fingers at them. That's disdain. God hates that. You love compassion and love. Look at these people. They're coming to church. Okay, preacher boy, you have to teach these people. Edify them. Feed them the Word of God. You're, that's what people want. If you want to have a rock and roll thing, do it on a Wednesday night. Like, have a, whatever. If you want to go around using the Bible as a book of quotes, don't bother. It's not how it's written. And if you be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Yeah, no problem. I didn't, I'm not going to walk up to somebody and try and blow them out of the water. Yeah, your church is no good. It's got like rock and roll, and, and you're just running around quoting mankind and quoting the Bible. No. Be nice, be gentle, be kind. Never point fingers. Get that feelings of spiteful or avenge or, yeah, I'm right, you're wrong. Whatever feeling that is, I don't, like, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know how to describe that because it's not in here, but uh, it has been in me. Like a content feeling, a, a contentious, like a, a bitterness, 
covetous, like a resentful feeling. Like uh, a f- like feeling even the slightest relation over other people's miseries, downfalls, or faults. Like, uh, you know what I'm trying to say. Don't put expectations on others. When people are ready to teach the Bible and ready to put down their guitars and, and grab a Bible and sit down and be orderly, then that's, that's what God wants. 39. We pray for everybody. I pray for the whole world. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Let all things done be decently and in order. That means people understand what you're saying. Don't sweat it if you can only speak one language. Whoopie do. I can only speak one language. I'm not even going to attempt to try and speak other languages, even though I understand a lot of the Hebrew and a lot of the Greek. But I'm not even going to try. Sometimes I try and pronounce it. And when I listen to the podcast later, it just sounds stupid. So it's, it's better to be what it says in this verse. You do it decently and in order. That's a commandment from God. That's the subject of the chapter. Discipline, order, love, peacefulness, teaching with understanding, learning with understanding, respect. There's none of those things I just said means, okay, it's your cue. You got this, everything's good. You're up at the front, flop down like a fish now, and you're speaking in tongues. No. Discipline, order, peaceful, teaching with understanding, with charity, with love in your heart. Have compassion for everybody. And pray for everybody. I hope you enjoyed that. That's uh, That went on a little bit long. But that's 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And my name is Mike. This is the Companion Chapel. Please email me at companionchapel at gmail.com. And show your support. Be part of the many member body. Come up and see me. Number 338. Side road 28 slash 29. Saugeen Shores, Ontario, Canada. And the phone number here is 519 706 8876. But the phone's never on because I don't have any hydro. If you're an electrician, come on up and give me a hand. Yeah, it's freezing cold up here. It's, yeah, it's, it's, to some people, it would look like I'm living in grinding poverty. But I'm one of the most blessed people on the planet. Come be part of the Companion Chapel. Let's build this place together. I love you to pieces. God loves you. Thank you very much. Share the podcast with your friends. Bye for now.